Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. During this quarantine, one of the things that I miss greatly is baseball. I've always loved the game. In every season of my life, I have a memory of baseball. From going to the game as a kid with my dad and sitting in the bleacher seats to trying to catch foul balls with my friends while we were sitting along the third baseline. And most recently, watching my son learn the game. Baseball was always something that was a diversion from what was going on in life. I I really wish that I could watch a game right now. And I heard that some of the teams may start playing the empty stadiums in Arizona. That would be fun to watch. For the time being, I'm stuck rewatching old games on MLB.com. You know, it's a fascinating sport, and I know that it's not as beloved as it used to be. But I can't help but think the game has so much to teach us. Last spring, Lofton started coach pitch for the first time. Before, when he was just playing t-ball, the game was a little less interesting. It was easier, uh, but in coach pitch, I had to really step in and do some of the post-game processing with him. The learning curve is really steep when you've got a three-inch ball being hurled at you. I could see his frustration from striking out so much, and it was reassuring, though, that he kept wanting to step up to the plate. I was talking to a friend recently who's a great player. You see... I, I never learned how to play baseball. Playing wasn't my thing when I was younger. And since I don't have the experience of playing on a team, I wanted to hear what my friend might say to Lofton. He said something that I never knew. His coach told him that in baseball, you have to have a short memory. You have to forget all of your mistakes from before and only remember the things that you've been taught. I thought that was profound. I mean, what a skill to learn. Forget the mistakes. I know that baseball is a game of failures. The best players in the game are only succeeding about 30% of the time. The great teams lose around 70 games a season. Loss is a big part of the game. And so learning how to forge past those losses in order to get back up and try to win again is a big part of the sport. After hearing this advice, I kept noticing it come up again and again. I would hear players mentioning of letting go of the failures that they've had in their last outing to the mound or to the plate. They would only bring with them their practice and their preparation. This is a life lesson for everyone alive right now. We are in a season of loss. So much of what we understood of this life has changed for everyone. School and work are different. Church is different. Socializing and entertainment is different. Sports are different. Celebrations are different. Even death is different. We've all lost something in this past month. Some of us have lost a great deal. This is a difficult time for our nation and our world, and who knows what life will be like after this pandemic is gone. It's hard to imagine that our lives will ever look the same. It can be scary to think about all of the potential scenarios. The situation has brought anxiety and fear, uncertainty, sorrow, and anger. I can't help but think, Right in the middle of this is a lesson that we could all benefit from. Now, as we've been traveling through the Bible, we've heard this story that God is laying out for his creation. I'm happy that we were able to pause 
in this story for a moment last week to consider the hope that we have because of the resurrection of Christ. In fact, it frames the next part of the story that we're picking up with today. We need a story of hope. We need a story of triumph. And we need to learn how to be the kind of people who forget our fears and trust in what we know to be truth. God is faithful. And when we believe in his faithfulness, it's then that we can walk in and live out the trust that we have in him. So today we're going to pick up the story of David. It's one that many of you are familiar with. It begins in this place where the people of God were looking up to the heavens and saying, we need a king. God knew that he was enough for them. He was sufficient. But the Israelites looked to the various cultures around them that were all ruled by kings and they too wanted one. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 19 and 20, we hear the people of Israel say this to Samuel. No, they said, we, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all of the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. Now the Israelites, they already had this in Jehovah and God, but they were drawn to the cultures around them, particularly the Philistines. You see, the Philistines were the sophisticated people living next to the Israelites. They had technology, they had commerce, they had planned out cities and large armies and a booming economy. And the Israelites looked up to them as much as they feared them. They wanted the same kind of life of the Philistines, but they couldn't get it because they were not strong enough. And so the Israelites demanded a king who would wage battle against the Philistine army. They got Saul as their king. Saul was a perfect example of why God did not want Israel to have a king. He led them exactly as they wanted, but he also failed them as any human would. Now, among, many, uh, among the many skirmishes that Paul brought to Israel, there was one that is very famous. And this fight is between the Philistines and, and the Israelites. The Philistines are on this one mountain and the Israelites are on another with this valley in between them. And each day from the camp of the Philistines, a champion would come out and mock the Israelite army. The soldier's name was Goliath. He stood almost 10 feet tall. He wore a metal armor suit that weighed around 91 pounds. And he was the greatest fighter in the Philistine army. And the Israelites were afraid of this giant. Until we're introduced to David. David was the complete antithesis of Goliath. He was a young boy. He was a shepherd. He was small. He had no armor. But he had something that the Philistine did not. He had faith in God. David's three oldest brothers were in the Israelite army, and David, as the youngest boy, had the responsibility of caring for the sheep back in Bethlehem. And one day, David's father asked him to go and bring some of this food to his oldest brothers who were fighting the Philistines. So when David brought the food to the soldiers, he heard Goliath provoke the Israelites, and he saw that no man was willing to fight this giant. Now Saul, at the same time, had issued a reward to anyone who could defeat Goliath, that he, they would gain great wealth and be able to marry Saul's daughter. David was incensed that no one would challenge the giant. When word got to Saul that David was willing to fight Goliath, Saul wanted to speak to David. So this is the story in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David replied to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. 
When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it and I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And then Saul dressed David with his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor around him, a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and he tried walking around, but he couldn't do it because he wasn't used to these new clothes. David said, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. And so he took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream and he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now, I find it interesting how David responded to the king in this moment. Not only was he ready for battle, but he could recount the victories that he had previously because of God. David seemed void of fear. Now, this was an intense moment for sure. This is the biggest fight of David's life up to this point. In fact, it's the biggest fight that any Israelite had had up to this point. This was the World Series for the Israelites. It was game six, bases are loaded, Israelites are down, and David steps up to bat. You have to wonder what he was thinking about. He wasn't thinking about the time the bear almost tore off a finger or when a lion stole two sheep from the flock while he was sleeping. He wasn't focused on his failures. He wasn't even focused on that moment. He was thinking about all of the times that God brought him through difficult situations. He was remembering the things that worked while he was training as a shepherd. This wasn't the time for him to try a new bat out or to put on a different uniform. He was going to rely on the truth that God would carry him through this and that he had been successful in the past using a sling and his stones. I love the certainty that David speaks to Goliath with. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. And we know the end of this story. With one stone, David felled the giant. And we read so much from David in the Psalms. And time after time, he sets up this same pattern where he's in trouble, but he requests God to save him, remembering what God had done before and then trusting in God. And we're going to read this Psalm that David wrote in Psalm 56. I'm going to read this to you from the Passion Translation. This is a moment when David was captured by Philistines later in his life. It reads like this, Lord, show me your kindness and mercy. For these men oppose and oppress me all day long. Not a day goes by but that somebody harasses me. So many in their pride trample me under their feet. But in the day that I am afraid, I lay all of my fears before you. I trust in you with all of my heart. 
What harm could a man bring to me? With God by my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart and I will always triumph as I trust his promises. You've kept track of all of my wandering and weeping. You've stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost for they're all recorded in your book of remembrance. I trust in the Lord and I praise him. I trust in the word of God and I praise him. What harm could man do to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. And so I'm thanking you with all of my heart, with gratitude for all that you've done. I will do everything I promised you, Lord. Now, another way to describe this pattern that David is going through here is that David remembers that God is faithful and therefore then David is faithful to God. What would it be like if we followed this same pattern in our lives? This isn't a stick your head in the sand and forget the difficulty around you kind of life. David stood before his enemy, towering over him was someone that wanted to end his life. David saw and knew the, promise, the problem. But David recognized his enemy, but he remembered that God was far bigger and far stronger than Goliath or any bear or lion that he might face. He looked at his enemy and he thought about God, his rescuer. He knew that God had done for him in the past and he trusted that he would carry him through this moment. And what if we lived this way? I mean, this is an active faith step for us. Remember, David already knew how to respond to King Saul when he was challenged as to why he'd be willing to fight Goliath. How often do we remind ourselves of the things that God has done for us? How much of our faith story is spent remembering God's faithfulness to us? I want you to think about when he rescued you in the past. What did it feel like to know that God brought you out of a dark season? How often do you celebrate the things that God has already done for you? See, this is the kind of training that sustains us for future setbacks. When we get backed in a corner and feel like everything is against us, we need to have on repeat in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, the moments that God carried us through. With that running commentary, then we're able to faithfully step toward the uncertainty and trust that God will carry us through in this moment. Will we always come out unscathed? No. We will have reminders of the battles that we have fought Memories of lost family members, a continual fight against addiction, a separated family, bankruptcy, hospital bills, ruined reputation, failure and loss are part of life. Learning how to deal with that failure is what makes us successful. See, fear is when we look at a problem and we don't know what we're going to do about it. Faith is when we look at that same problem, knowing that we can't do anything about it, we trust that God has already provided a way for us to be victors through the blood of Christ and his resurrection. I loved the statement that Ross and Wendy made last week as we celebrated Easter. We don't fight for victory, they said. We fight from victory. Our faithfulness comes from a position of knowing that Christ has already won the war. We can survive the storm because we know what Christ has done for us. Now, I'm sure that you're probably like me and, and you wonder a little bit about David's words. I mean, was he full of bravado or possibly just a naive little boy? As he stood before Goliath, did he know that he could have been killed or did he believe that he would triumph? And I think the answer is yes on both accounts. It seems clear that David understood what pain and suffering were. 
He knew that he could be hurt or killed, but he modeled a life that placed value in something greater. After all, what's more valuable? A life that has no suffering or no pain, but then ends when we die? Or a life that finds refuge in God when we're forced to go through storms, but leads to a life everlasting? David had an eternal perspective when he stood before Goliath. He knew that death would only bring him closer to God, but that defeating Goliath would bring glory to God. There was victory for him no matter the outcome. All of us are staring at a Goliath in our lives. Some of us are looking at an army of Goliaths. There are mass graves being dug right now because of this pandemic. Economic turmoil is widespread. But God promises us that he is not far from us. He is with us. We can find a break from the storm. And when we stand up in front of our enemy, no matter what he looks like, we need to remember all of the ways that God has carried us through the storms from our past and how we know that we can find security in him in our future. I want to challenge you this week to take some time to be like David. Look at the Goliaths you're facing. Sit with God and remind yourself who God is and who you are as a result. I've included a couple of articles that might help you through this process. You can find them on the website at questvineyard.org forward slash live. There's a link there. Go through this process. It's a very simple one. It starts with telling God about what you're facing. Remind yourself how God has been faithful in your life and commit to following God because you trust that he will carry you through once again. So this week, let's be like David and let's watch more baseball. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the promises that you make to us. We're so thankful that in the midst of our trials, we can find refuge from the storm, that you'll protect us, that you'll care for us, that you're with us. Lord, we pray that we would remember the ways that you have carried us through, that you've rescued us in the past, so that we can boldly step into these trials and know that you will continue to rescue us again. May we be faithful to you in the midst of the difficulty in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his life, his death, and his resurrection. We know that we are eternally secure because of his blood that was shed on the cross for us. And Lord, may we live knowing that to you be the glory, no matter the outcome here on this earth, to you be the glory and that we get to spend life everlasting with you. Lord, what a precious thought. So let us be like David. Let us live boldly. Let us trust in you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, Maddie and Matt are going to lead us in a song of worship. Many of you know this song. It's a fantastic declaration of who God is. I encourage you to sing along if you know the words or just let the words wash over you. Thanks for meeting with this church. I can't wait till we can be back together in person. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.